Welcome to the Weave Podcast. My name is Sarah Resnick, and I'm the host of this podcast and the owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. I'm really thrilled to welcome and introduce you to LaShawn Moore, our new Weave Podcast producer and also the guest on our podcast this week. LaShawn earned her BFA at Parsons, the new school for design, as an integrated design major with a focus on alternative fashion strategies and social practice. And since graduating in 2017, she moved to low country South Carolina to pursue her dream of starting a farm to table textile enterprise. LaShawn is an artist and a weaver and an entrepreneur and a farmer and so much more. And I'm excited to talk to her about all of this on the podcast today and also to have her bringing her wisdom and her stories to producing the podcast for us in the future. Welcome, LaShawn. I'm so glad to have you. Hello, hello. I am so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards being a textile artist and a weaver? So it's a really interesting story. It starts with me when I was younger and I was always interested in fashion. And that led me to moving to New York fresh out of high school. Um, And I moved there to go to design school. And while I was in school, I was always drawn to cotton. I always loved the suppleness. I always loved how malleable it was. And there was this one day while I was laying on the edge of my bed and I was looking out of my window And I was looking at the clouds and I saw faces. For me, this was like one of the clearest visions I think I've ever had in my life where I didn't really know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew that I needed to follow through. From that point on, cotton really just stayed on my radar. It was like, you have to do research, you have to learn about this, and you have to talk about it. And since then, I have found myself in a lot of opportunity. You know, it's kind of like I got the vision and it was so clear to me and I accept it and I have followed through and every everything has sort of fallen into place in a way that speaks to me, that lets me know that I am on the right track. Can you tell me more about the journey that you went on learning about the the histories and the, and the stories of cotton? You know, you're you're in New York City, which is far from those fields and those farmers. And I'm curious where that journey took you when, after you saw those clouds in the sky. So after I had that vision and sort of accepted that this was going to be the focal point of my work, I found myself in a lot of really great opportunities, one of which was to research perceptions of cotton and agriculture within the African-American community. And that was important to me because I find that often within these conversations about sustainability, there is the need to talk about the social aspects of sustainable agriculture. So not just organics and carbon farming, which is absolutely 100% important and needs to be talked about, but also 
what does that mean in the context of farmers and farming communities that have been discriminated against for generations? One of the opportunities that came my way was to attend the National Black Farmers Conference in Mississippi, where I went there as a maker. I went there as an artist, hoping to network and to find farmers and to create this great South-North pipeline of textiles and, and finding a way to create some type of a economic outlet for black farmers who maybe don't have the means to connect to the textile community that I am a part of and that I know is available. And when I was there, one of the things that I noticed was that of all of the people in attendance, aside from myself and the scholarship recipients, we were the only people under 25. I would say most of the farmers were in their 60s. A lot of the people that I saw there had canes. For those of you who may not be familiar with the farming community, one of the things that is important in growing and keeping farming alive is having farm successors. So when this person is no longer able to work the farm, they have someone right behind them who they have taught everything they know who can take over the farm and can then teach that to the next person when they're unable. But there wasn't a lot of youth there. And so it was kind of like the wheel started turning, the wheel started turning, and I was like, okay, is this what I think it is? Am I going to be a farmer? And again, it happened very organically where I was thinking about it, but I wasn't sure if I was up for it. And everything just sort of fell into play. So when I went back to New York after the conference, I had this new outlook on what role I felt like I needed to play and how I felt I would be most productive within the vernacular of textiles and what I felt I could be most productive as in this space that I found myself functioning in. So there's there's so many interesting things that I, I want to pull out of that and, and ask you more about and a little later on in this conversation I want to hear all about this new farm and project that you you did in fact move to a farm to start. Um, but before that I'm curious as you were starting to have these conversations um, about cotton and about the histories of cotton and, and bringing forth some of the, the most painful and horrifically unjust things in, in this country's history and present, how did you, how did those start to impact the artwork that you were making and how was the farming piece of your soul impacting the maker piece of your soul? I'm so curious. Wow, I definitely love how you worded that. Um, they all work together in this way that I I don't even know that I could put into words. Um, they both feed my soul in a way that I don't think anything else could. For me, 
agriculture is essential to health it's essential to what you put in your body the actions that your body is taking and also what it means mentally to be close to the earth being an artist and creating being a maker my maker soul (laughs) um it's the same thing you know in the same way that making something once you get into the groove of something you kind of go into this meditative state farming can have the same affect at moments right there are definitely parts of farming that can be stressful can be a lot of pressure but farming really it puts life into perspective it it helps you to understand life in a way that's very particular watering something and watching it grow is an analogy that we use so often to describe things other than agriculture but the reality that you can water something and watch it grow really is amazing and I think in the same way that you would water a plant and watch it grow, you kind of water your your dreams and your visions as an artist or a maker and you watch them grow into a finished piece. And so for me, they work hand in hand and agriculture inspires me to be an artist and being an artist inspires me to work with nature. It's very natural, the two. They go hand in hand. Being a maker and being a farmer, I would say, is very similar. Farmers make things, you know. It's a different type of making. It's more of a science. But farmers make things, and there are different types of farmers. You know, there are farmers who breed plants naturally and organically. They cross-pollinate flowers and create beautiful masterpieces. So... For me, the two souls are hand in hand. So tell me about this farm seed to table, seed to fabric business. What's your vision for it and and what are you doing right now and, and how's it going? So I'm at the very beginning stages of starting the farm. I have the land. I am getting the land in order, getting the finances in order. I've decided that for this coming 2019 growing season, I will be cultivating indigo. I am still deciding on which variety of indigo I'd like to grow. I want to grow indigo fera tinctoria, which is a type of indigo that was popular in South Carolina specifically for a long time it was actually brought to South Carolina from a British woman I believe in the late 1700s but there are other varieties that I'm also interested in growing for me it's really going to depend on the processing of the plants and then for the 2020 season my intentions are to harvest my first crop of organic cotton So those are my goals. Those are my intentions. Just putting that out there into the universe. My long-term vision is to have a fully 
vertically integrated business structure, I would like for the system that produces the product to be just as community-oriented and progressive and economically productive and sustainably driven as efforts that might be put into the product after it's created. So not just focusing on having sustainable packaging, but also having sustainable labor and using sustainable materials and giving sustainable pay. How did you pick the location for your farm and and what is the farming community like where you are? Are there people nearby that are growing textiles or that are, are makers? What's it like there? So where I live is low country, South Carolina. Very, very rural. The town that I live in, I believe, has less than 2,000 people in it. There are farms, but there are not a lot of farms. And where there are farms, there is a lot of cotton. And I've seen corn, I've seen cows, I've seen horses. But there isn't a lot of farming. It's mainly just a rural town where people just kind of live their life and enjoy the country. And one thing that's actually very interesting about the land that I live on, which is again how my initial vision has come full circle, is that where I live is land that was once owned by two brothers who were once slaves. And I'm not sure if they bought the land or if they received the land as an allotment. But they owned hundreds of acres. What has happened now is that the land is broken up amongst their great, 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 great grandchildren. All of the land is within the family. So everyone that lives there for the most part, except for me, is cousins. The land that I will be farming on is owned by one of the relatives of the Rivers Hill brothers. And she received the house and the land from her mother who received it from, a, from another relative. And all of my neighbors who live around me, they also own land. So a part of what I'm doing and which kind of touches upon what I was speaking earlier about creating a system that works sustainably just as much as the actual product is that I would like to find ways to utilize the land that's there. Where I live, there is a post office and a gas station. And technically, the gas station isn't in my town. So it's, there isn't a lot. And that's not to say that there needs to be more. But 
people are definitely interested in using the land that they have and are definitely interested in collaborating with people with the intention to create a income. One of the things that could also happen, which has happened a little but not very much, people have sold their land. There is the slight threat that businesses will come and buy hundreds of thousands of acres and set up shop with no intentions of caring about the surrounding community or giving anything back to the surrounding community. I'm super excited to know you and to watch and hear about this unfold. It it takes so much courage to take a big step like that into a new place and into a new, um, you know, business and into a new everything. And um, just excited to see and hear how that goes. And I'm also so excited that you have recently started working with me as the producer for this podcast. What is it that interests you in this role, gathering and sharing stories about weaving and textile communities? I just really love watching other people make things. I really love seeing the millions of ways that people use the same materials. I love seeing the artistic expression and I love the stories. You know, as I said earlier, textiles really are the cornerstone of our society. They're so important. They play such a huge, such a monumental role in the way we live our lives. And I'm so grateful to be in a position where I can add to the dialogue and potentially be a part of the vernacular. So you're going to be hosting your own series of episodes starting this fall, focusing on farming and dyeing naturals textile communities. Do you want to give listeners a sneak peek of what they can look forward to with you? You can look forward to really amazing in-depth conversations. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Peak the interest. It's it's going to be good. We can't we can't share more exactly yet, but you guys are going to want to listen. So I have my last two questions for you before we sign off. The first one is where people can go on social media and on the internet to follow your work um, with your farm. And if you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers out there. You can find me at my newly created Instagram. It is Ninia, N-N-E-E-N-I-A. If I had advice for aspiring textile artists and weavers, I would say follow your passion and water your spirit. Beautiful. Thank you so much for, for talking to us today and sharing your journey with everyone, LaShawn, and um, excited for everything you're going to bring to this community. Well, I am super excited to be here and I look forward to the future. That's a wrap. To see photos and links to LaShawn's work, you can visit our show notes on our website at www.gistyarn.com episode hyphen 28. 
That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N.com. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Jen Aaron. Jen is an artist in Toronto and a professional photographer turned weaver. In our conversation, we talk about how she found her way towards weaving and what that transition has brought to her life as an artist. You can tune into that conversation on Monday. And until next time, happy weaving. Mm -hmm.